In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus Christ says these words. Come to me, all you who labor on heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, we don't believe this scripture. Nobody here believes it in the fullest capacity that we could believe it. And Franco, could you turn the water off? It's dripping on stage. This portion of scripture stands out as one of the great treasures of all the New Testament and beyond. From the Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, when man defied God and Adam and Eve fell in the garden and then God raised up for himself a nation, Israel, that still exists today, He is the Lord Jesus Christ working with the Father and the, Son, uh, and the Spirit. And from all of these portions of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, we receive so much information about God. So many commands that would... Um, give us who he is, even the Ten Commandments, talking about thou shall not lie. He says such thing because the Ten Commandments are a reflection of the very nature of God. And for the first time in all of the scripture, we have God that made flesh giving us the most descriptive portion of scripture about who he is. Sure, the Bible talks about vengeance. We discussed last week during the uh, beginning as we've paused this week on the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war regarding what's happening with Israel. We're talking about the nations that will rise. We'll discuss in further weeks, Daniel chapter 9. All of these things tell us so much about God, but what we've never received is a description about God from God in the person of Christ describing the deepest parts of his heart, the bedrock, the foundation, his first choice. God does have a choice. It's not his first choice to pour out judgment on the nations. It is not his first choice for people to perish. For the Bible says that I'm not willing, God says I'm not willing that any should perish, but come to everlasting life. In fact, that's why he delays his coming. Turn this up a little bit. That's why he delays his coming so that more people can hear the gospel and so that more people will be saved. But we don't truly understand the entirety of what Jesus Christ is saying. That's why we need a Bible. The Bible does not tell us what we expect or predict or what we already know. The Bible stares back at us in black and white and red letters defying 
our natural intuitions and what we think Jesus Christ is like. And one of the greatest scripture to defy our natural intuitions is this portion of scripture that we have posted on the wall of our church. We think Jesus Christ loves us, forgives us, died for us, intercedes for us, prays for us, all the rest and all the while tolerating us while looking at his watch and tapping his foot because he's tired of being around us. That is so many of our pictures of who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ speaks to us about who he is. The Christian life is about looking at his word and being confounded and it tearing down are perceived certainties of what Jesus Christ must be like. The Jesus Christ that many of us believe in are bored with. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're bored with Jesus Christ, it's not his fault, it's ours. Jesus Christ is inexhaustible. He is incomprehensible and he is more beautiful and loving than our finite minds can comprehend. And so often we associate mankind too much with Jesus Christ, though he was a man. Many of our beliefs are this. He is a man, but a lot better than the rest of us. And he is so much more than that. Jesus Christ loves you best when you are at your worst. What we need in the church, yes, in Kenya and the church around the world, is a greater perspective and a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. So many of us, I hear testimonies. Me and Kelsey were talking last night. We've been spending four to six months in the States. We miss all of you so much that it actually physically hurts our hearts not to be with you and to continue our celebration of what God has done in our church and to continue our celebration of what God is doing and what he will do. We come back and we hear the stories. We hear the stories of People going through the consequences of their own sin. Single motherhood. Abortion. Stealing. But we also hear the stories of people going through the consequences of other sin. Poverty caused by selfishness of those who are in power and the, impression, the oppression of the government. We hear the stories of how People are struggling deeply with being able to pay for school fees, food, rent, even clothing. You, you, your heart breaks for this. These aren't just people. These aren't just strangers. They're you. 
They're the people that we love so much and that Christ loves. And Jesus Christ comes along with a ever-growing, even in his time and especially in our time, of world religions that in no way represent the true and living God. There's so many religions. You got Buddhism. Buddhisms believe, Buddhists believe that heaven or nirvana is to be rejoined in the spirit with God. Reaching nirvana, a transcendental, blissful, spiritual state, requires following an eight-fold path. And, what, and I don't, I'm not going to have time to go into every religion. I want to provide a contrast. Listen, one of the eight-fold paths of reaching heaven or nirvana according to Buddhism, is understanding the universe. I don't even understand my wife. How could I understand the universe? Can you imagine humanity, Kenyans, that being a requirement for you to attain heaven? You know what that is? That's called bad news. Eastern Orthodoxy. It's a pseudo-Christian Judeo derivative that reinterprets key scriptures such as, and most importantly, works-based salvation. Whereas traditional Christian beliefs indicate that you cannot save yourself. Eastern Orthodoxy believes that you must have a whole myriad of works in order to be right with God. You know what that's called? Bad news. Hinduism is similar to Buddhism. Salvation or moksha is reached when the worshiper is freed from the cycle of reincarnation. And the spirit becomes one with God. One becomes free by ridding himself of bad karma. The effect of evil action or evil intent will cause bad karma. So you live life and many lives in different life forms while trying to be good enough throughout your life and many life forms in order to one day, no matter how long it takes, whether it be three lives, one is a horse or one is a snail, one is a human or one is an angel, you must be good enough after 100 years or a million before you get to heaven. You know what you call that? Bad news. The banks even tell you how much you owe and when you gotta pay it. And the banks also are not very good. Jehovah's Witness, the teaching of the Watchtower Society leads us to categorize that they believe, they want to lead us to say that there will only be 144,000 anointed who will be saved and the rest of us who one day may attain salvation have to go to their version of what is a Catholic belief of purgatory to purge yourself of your sin with good works. Mormons believe their religion to be also a derivative of Judeo-Christian values. 
but also believe in good works, such as evangelizing the world, knocking on doors, and sharing their version of what they call the gospel. All of those is bad news. Misrepresentation of who the true and living God is. It's bad news because they come along, ladies and gentlemen, and they say, do this, you'll be accepted. Do that, you'll be accepted. Pray enough. Give enough. Share uh, with your God, about your God to humanity enough, and then one day, God may accept you. You know why it's bad news? It's bad news to people who are sinful like you and me. Jesus comes along and says, come learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly. Are you low today? Do you have pain? Do you have sorrow? Christ is right there at the lowest parts to be found. He says, I'm gentle. You know what gentle means? It means to be non-critical. A lot of people don't know what the Greek understanding of gentle is. You don't walk into a room. You don't walk into a situation. You don't walk into a relationship immediately judging and criticizing somebody. He says, I am gentle. Jesus Christ is telling us, I will never manipulate you. I will never coerce you. He says, I am lowly. You can find me. You don't need to book an appointment to be with Jesus Christ. You don't need to get through his security to be with Jesus Christ. He is there for you at the lowest parts of your life, whether you have consequences of your own sin or you have been hurt by other people. That's where you find him. All these other religions, they want us to go hike Mount Everest to find God. They want us to beat ourselves. They want us to crawl on our hands and knees to find God. And though many have attempted all those things to find God, he comes to us. The truth is he comes to us and he finds us because we were the ones who were lost, not him. Jesus Christ comes along, ladies and gentlemen. He says, I'm not who you think I am. I surpass all of your expectations. I surpass all of your conceivable perceptions of who you think I am. I am so much more. Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. If you haven't picked up on it already, Jesus is talking to a very religious people. And you know what? We are and Kenya are a very religious people. And he's saying, are you tired? Are you tired of the efforts to gain favor? You know, we hear about this a lot, don't we, Kenyans? How do we get God's favor? How do we get God's anointing? How do we get God's blessing? What does it mean to receive God's favor? And you hear different preachers 
give you a whole list of things that, that they tell you, even within Christendom, which is a misrepresentation of Christ when they say, you get God's favor by giving a little more, by praying a little more. They are no better than the religions that I just mentioned on the paper I was reading. No better than Islam. Christ comes along and he says, I already favor you. You know what you call that? Good news. I already love you. I'm here. I've been here. You know, there's this portion of scripture in 1 John 3, because we, as I'm mentioning, are, have a conceived perception of who we believe God is. He's tired of us. He's tapping his foot. He's looking at his watch. He's like, how much longer do I got to be with this person? And in 1 John 3, verse 19 and 20, it says, um, John writing that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and he knows all things. But if your heart condemns you not, you have confidence towards God. Do you know what the scripture is telling us, ladies and gentlemen? He's saying, when your heart condemns you, it condemns you for the things that you know about yourself. The sinful things. The shame that we feel in the different things that we have done to our wives, to our husbands, to our children, to our family, to our friends. I remember years ago, the Lord just put it on my heart. I, I had no idea about how big the abortion issue was in Kenya. And all I said was, the Lord will forgive you. We were doing an altar call and I said, for anything, abortion. And all of a sudden, several women popped up crying and came forward to receive Jesus Christ because they had a misrepresentation of who God is and they believe, well, God can forgive me for some of my sins, but can he really forgive me for abortion? The answer is yes, and it always has been. People misrepresent him. And in 1 John 3, he says, your heart is condemning you about what you know. The things you know about yourself, your heart condemns you. And listen, we have an acute knowledge of who we are. Can you imagine ever finding a wife if you let her borrow all of your thoughts for one week? She wouldn't marry you. And vice versa. Ladies, can you imagine giving your uh, fiance your crazy thoughts for a week? You would have already ran away, men, because she has thoughts of killing you. It's an amazing thing that a woman has the capacity within the span of 10 minutes to think about killing their husbands and then cooking for them because they love them. Do you understand the beauty of Christ? What, what's, what's being done here? He says, you feel condemned about what you know about yourself, but I know everything you've ever thought. 
Every thought that you've ever had, every selfish intention, every wicked part of your heart, I know it and I still died on the cross for you because I love you. If your heart condemns you, God is greater in your heart. And guess what? He knows all things. Isn't that remarkable? And if your heart condemns you not, guess who you're focusing on? God and not yourself. And Jesus Christ comes along. He says, are you low? That's where you can find me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest from your, for your souls. Many of us have been a part of religions or even Christian doctrine that has burdened us, that has hurt us, that has made us actually believe about ourselves that we couldn't be saved because there was a certain amount of people who had favor and there was a certain amount of people who didn't have favor. And because you're the condition you're in, you must be one of those people that don't have favor because you don't think God is hearing your prayers. And Jesus comes along and he destroys all of those conceptions. And he says, are you falling down on your knees? Are you falling down on your face and weeping, wondering where God is? He is there when you fall on your face because he is lowly. You don't have to be rich for Jesus Christ to be with you. You don't have to have university education for Jesus Christ to love you. Jesus Christ has always loved you. He has fashioned you in your mother's womb. And his yoke is light. Do you know why it's light? Because all these religions that come along and they put heavy yokes on our necks and we're traveling around the world with these burdens. I got to pray more prayers. Good, it's necessary. But I got to pray more. I got to give more. I got to go to the mosque. I got to knock on the doors. All these things that religion bogs down. And Jesus comes along and says, yes, you have a yoke. I'm going to call you to do things. But it's light because when you, amen, when you meet. See, children know when to say amen. We forget it when we're adults. When, when we meet Jesus Christ and we gaze upon his nature, and we gaze upon his beauty, ladies and gentlemen. It goes from a religion of have to, to a religion of we get to, to a relationship of this is our privilege. Are you kidding me? This person, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, rose again from the dead, he now becomes my Lord and the burden is light because I want to serve him because of how good he is, how marvelous he is, the radiant beauty of his nature. You want to. It's like that, um, that, that lady <clears throat> who's working. She's down in the market. She has to tell her friend, she's like, man, I got to get up early. I have to go to work. I have to go to work. 
and she may get there at 5 a.m. and she may set up her stand and, or she works somewhere in town, whatever the case. And then all of a sudden, she meets a guy that now she loves and she wants to marry and they get married and she gets pregnant and then she has her baby. And she's no longer waking up at 5, 6, 7 a.m. to go to work. She wakes up all throughout the night. 11, 12, 3, 4. Does she shake her husband and go, hey, I have to go to work. The baby needs Nonya. Does she, does she do that, ladies? No, Why? Because she doesn't view the relationship with her infant child who needs her as work because she loves that child with everything that is in her. And when Jesus comes along, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me because when you come into contact, this thing of being a Christian no longer is work. It's our reasonable service and we do it because we love him. That's why this, this burden is light. That's why. And I'm here to tell you as the worship team comes up, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that yes, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have a job to do. But it is our great privilege to serve Jesus Christ. And if you've grown up in a religion that causes you to reach up, to try to get God to bless you, to show favor on you, that is unfortunate because I want you to know something. God already favors every single one of his children and he loves them with all of his heart. He's, are you low today? Have you been brought to your knees? Or you're a single mother? Or a husband who at times has not been there for his family or completely abandoned and you find yourself filled with guilt and shame and condemnation and you've been brought low in the eyes of people and there's no one else there. You find yourself in that low place. There's no one else there. Your wife, your husband doesn't understand your, th your thoughts. Your children can't understand how lonely you are. There is one person there when nobody else is, and that is Jesus Christ. For he is gentle, and he is lowly. And he's not there to say, you know what? I would have came to you sooner, but you've been doing this, and you've been doing that, and you've been doing this. No, he's always been there. Loving, gentle, lowly. And Jesus Christ wants you to know who he is. He says, learn of me. That's what the Bible says. Learn of me. Let's bow our heads as we pray now. There are people here who are backslidden. They've walked away from Jesus Christ. There are people here who've never been born again. I don't know your stories. I don't know what kind of pain you've gone through. 
I don't know your family situation. I don't know your financial situation. I know there's pain. There's a lot of pain in Africa. And if you thought you must continue to do something to get Jesus Christ to love you, you don't understand how much he already does. But you must come to him. Ladies and gentlemen, you must come to him. I want to pray for those who need to be born again in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Let me pray, Lord, I pray in the midst of all the things going on in all of the minds and in all of the hearts of everyone in this room, would you pour out your spirit upon those you know who are lost? Those you know who are backslidden. Those people who are walking in condemnation, not understanding there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you give them a revelation of how much you love them right now? That you're a humble God. There's addictions to alcohol. There's drunkenness. Pornographic addiction. Condemnation because of abortions or whatever has happened in so many of our lives. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Helping people to return back to you right now. Please. Do what we cannot do. Lord, do what we cannot do as pastors. Do what we cannot do as Christians. Do what we cannot do. Pour out your spirit. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Repent of your sins. Repent of your sins and understand that God will forgive you like that. If you need to be born again or in your backslide and return back to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand right now so that I can pray for you and hold them up high. Raise your hand right where you sit to receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. Yes. And please hold it up high so I can pray for you and identify you. Anybody else? We'll take time. Anybody else? Say, you know what? I've been lied to about who God is. I thought he was somebody else. They required my money to be saved. They required my prayers to be saved. They required my works to be saved. But he's been there all along willing to save you according to his sacrifice. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Lord, I pray for every single person who has their hands raised right now. Save them. Deliver them from their sins. And Lord, I pray that this scripture that says, you said, come to me and all you who labor and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy, my burden light. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Give them that revelation now, Lord. And I pray your Holy Spirit come upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody says amen. Now listen, guys. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. And if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. 
Every single person who raised their hand, we want to recognize you. I want you to stand on your feet right now so that we can all recognize you. Stand on your feet if you rose your hand today. There you go. Those of you who are your family and friends, let's pray for them. Stand up, lay hands on them right now. Lay hands on them, you who are around these people. Lord, we lay hands on these people. You're infinite, you're mighty, you're powerful, you're all-knowing. You, you know their stories. You know what part of Kenya they've come from. You know they've struggled. But there is no greater struggle than the struggle they've had from their own sin. And I pray that they would be delivered right now, forgiven, no condemnation. And we thank you for it. We thank you for all of these lives. And we love you for them, Lord. And we ask your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Let's give glory to God. You may be seated. We thank you guys for celebrating with us. We're not done quite yet. We're almost done. Um, and then we're going to go fellowship and eat together. You know, I, I was at the police station. Um, and I was in, you know, I don't, I don't normally dress up except on Sundays. Except when I first started the church. And I stopped doing that, as you can see, a long time ago. And, and I was at the police station. We're dealing with a lot right now with different things going on. And we're there filing reports. And these ladies are like, where are you from? These police officers are like, well, I'm from U.S., but we have a church right over there. They're like, yeah, we know that church. Are you the pastor? And I said, well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the pastor. And, they go, and she goes, she almost had to take her glasses and put them on. She goes, You? I didn't know whether to be offended or blessed. <laughs> Let me tell you why I'm blessed. Because what God has done has very, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with the power of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and I can't tell you the joy that me and Kelsey have and knowing your stories and knowing what God has done in your lives. That we needed deliverance from a lot more than just poverty. We needed deliverance from our sin and he is forgiven people's sins every week in this ministry and we give him all the glory. So let's continue to celebrate as we celebrate the lives that's been saved today and others, and um, as we stand up, we'll have the ushers and deacons come forward because it is Sunday. We'll receive an offering, and then guys, please join us as we sing a few more songs together. Let's stand.